Welcome back to What's Your Favorite Scary Movie. Happy December, everybody. I'm Sarah. I'm Verona. And today we are going to kick off the month with Better Watch Out. It is a 2016 home invasion thriller with a twist. I love Olivia de Young, so always happy to see her in more movies. I was so surprised when she showed up in the Baz Luhrmann Elvis. I was like, that is the girl from The Visit. That is so funny and better watch out because I had obviously seen this movie before as well. What are your what are your initial thoughts? Because I know that you were like for the first 10 or 15 minutes, you were like, this movie sucks. And then all of a sudden you went, oh, oh, it's something else. Yeah, okay, that's I was fine. like not vibing with it at first. I was like, so I was like, I don't care about these characters. Like, I don't care what happens to them. Like, this is all happening too fast. I don't give a fuck. And then the twist happened. And I was like, oh, wait, oh, shit. Wait, this is so good. Actually, never mind. Because at first I was like, they didn't like set it up enough for me to like care about this home invasion. Also, this child is creepy as fuck. What do you mean he's 12 and he's trying to drink and also fuck his like 18 year old babysitter? Ew. And then it just got so scary, so demented. Him specifically got very demented. As soon as it happened, I was like, okay, now, now I'm into it. Now I understand why you like it. Not that I was judging you, but I was like, Sarah, you usually like really good movies what do you mean you like this movie like this isn't this isn't great and then and then that happened I was like oh okay that's why I texted you and I said I was like I feel like so much has happened in this movie but also like nothing at all because I assumed that it was like almost over and I was like that was really fast and then it switched gears and I was like never mind you paused the movie you're like I'll be back in a minute and I know that you saw the timestamp because you were like why is this like moving so quickly and then you were like wait a minute we're only like seven and a half minutes into this. <laughs> and I was like, yes. Yeah, it does give off the impression that it's going to be a super cut and dry kind of home invasion movie in the beginning. But the problem with that like opening part, I mean, it's not a problem if you have the power to stay for the for the twist. Like if you're one of those people that will usually get to at least halfway through a movie before you really turn it off, I pretty much always will finish a movie even if I hate it. So if you're one of those people that will be like, I'm not vibing with this and turn it off in 10 10 or so minutes of a movie, you might miss this one because not only is it a super generic home invasion movie for those first few minutes, but it's also like kind of a shitty one. Like you said, they didn't really establish the characters in that first beginning part before throwing them into what we think is like the danger because of course the movie spends more time on the characters as it goes on but it sets it up as if like that was all you were gonna get now they're like just r hiding from like room to room like oh let's sneak into this room now and then sit in the dark and be tense and hear like footsteps and then we'll sneak into this other room and it would be the perfect setup to like a really terrible like two out of ten star movie no i did also I was immediately into it the second that the woman said, you sure you've never sucked another man's cock before? I feel like people don't babysit anymore. At least not like for strangers or like neighbors and stuff. Like you don't have like, the, you didn't hire like some random teenager to take care of your kid anymore. It's like a family member, you go to like a daycare or something. And I'm like, now that I think about it, that is really true. Like I don't see a lot of like community babysitting happening anymore. And I wonder if there's going to be because there kind of already has been, but I wonder if we're going to see a huge like decline in babysitter yeah. slashers now. Because they were obviously really big in like the 80s and stuff and then into the 90s. A little bit, as you can see in the early 2000s, kind of trickled into the like 2010s, but we don't really like see them anymore. Of course, there is literally like the babysitter, but even that like feels dated and weird. You're like, why does this kid have a babysitter? It also feels more like a kind of like nostalgic or like kind of tropey movie versus like 
a genuine this is what is happening with the times kind of thing kind of like but kind of like how at the beginning of Scream 6 Samira Weaving's character is talking about how whatever horror movies are coming out at the time are kind of relevant to whatever society's fears are or like relevant to like how society is we no longer really have the babysitter genre because we don't have babysitters anymore and now when we see them in horror movies it's more to be like a callback to like other classic horror movies more than it is because that is something that is happening. I also, this is a silly gripe, but I kind of thought that the age for this was weird, but I do understand that they needed a kid that was like going into puberty. And so he would be like really sexually entitled and aggressive with a girl, like a teenage girl, like a little bit older than himself. I've been on the receiving end of that kind of affection from young boys before and it's horrifying. My my letterbox review was literally this movie is just about how scary 12-year-old boys are. But the thing that threw me off is him being 12 years old because to me now at my age I'm like that's that's an infant like that makes sense to me that he would have a babysitter at least the part of Canada I grew up in. 12 years old is when you're allowed to get like your babysitting license. You have babysitting licenses? That's not like you don't need a license to babysit, but you can go take a babysitting course when you're like 11 or 12 and they teach you like first aid and like all that stuff. And if you have that and then they have like a community directory that they'll add you to. So like if you do that, you get more babysitting jobs. But like if you just happen to be like the teenager who lives on your street and the other parents like on your street know you live there and they have little kids like, yeah, you can go fucking babysit them. It's no big deal. But like, yeah, if you had like a license or whatever, that's what they called it. They'd put you on their little community directory and you'd be like certified or whatever. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that that was a thing. 12 year old is when people my age, like we started babysitting. Like you, first of all, you probably yeah. didn't have a babysitter at all. Um, you were probably taking care of yourself if you were 12 years old or you were already babysitting other people's little kids. No. Yeah. I feel like that's, stage when like most people start being a babysitter not having a babysitter so like also just like him being like so creepy at the beginning like before obviously I knew what was gonna happen and like drinking and like trying to come on to her I was like he's 12 he's a literal child why did they like age him up because I assumed that that was the direction that this was gonna go that it was gonna be like a normal home invasion and then in the end she was gonna realize like Oh, you protected me. You saved me. I love you. You know, that type of thing. So I was like, ew, why didn't they age this up? This is so weird. After watching the rest of the movie, I was like, never mind. I understand now why they left him 12. They hadn't done the twist yet, so I didn't want to spoil it. But you're like, couldn't they have done this with like a slightly older kid and like super overprotective parents instead? And I was kind of like, no, because the sexual entitlement really does come into play as this movie goes on. But I can't tell you that quite yet. One other thing that I've noticed... So we first of all, we got babysitters on their way out in horror. This is another thing I'd like to see get on its way out in horror. Whenever there's a spider in a horror movie, it's never like realistic. It's always someone like in a suburban house in like the Midwest and they're like, oh, a spider's in the house. And it's like a fucking full on tarantula from like (laughs) the desert. And I'm like, what? That's not like, like you could show me. You know what are really creepy is those big carpenter spiders, the big brown butt on them. Like, and they find them everywhere. They're all over the States and they're big and they're creepy looking. And I'm like, why wouldn't you just put one of those? Why did you try to convince me that someone's exotic pet was a wild spider that was just in your house? You've taken me out. You said that it was filmed in Australia, right? This was? Yeah, most of the cast is Australian. There's only two two of the cast members. I think it's the parents are American and makes everyone sense. else in the movie sense. is Australian. But that's why the door frames are so weird. That's what it was. I had to Google it because I was like, am I tripping balls? This was my, why is he shaving his neck from dead silence moment? I was like, 
am I tripping balls? Why are all of the fucking doorknobs in this house like at the their head? Like that's so weird. Why are these doors so misshapen? And so I googled it. So I was like, why are the door handles so high in Better Watch Out 2016? And it was like, because that's what they look like in older Australian homes. And this movie was shot in Australia. And before you ask, yes, the director thought it was the most distracting, horrible fucking thing ever. He hated it so much. He hates the fucking high doorknobs in this movie. And I was like, well, now I do too. They are distracting. I was I was looking for them in every scene. I ruined it for myself. Sorry, you can't bring up Donnie Wahlberg shaving his neck in dead silence and not expect <laughs> to just start crying. Just crying. Yeah. No, I didn't even um I didn't even notice the, the doorknobs until you speaking of Australia people. Dacre Montgomery being in this. I love him. I think he is such a phenomenal actor. He had very little screen time in this, but like it'll stick with me forever. Love him. I think that man should be in everything. I have gone endlessly on about him on Twitter about how he could revive the rom-com genre, and I think we should let him. But you had a point to say about his character. Uh, there was a guy that I was like really into when I was in high school, and his name was also Jeremy and he dresses exactly like this character or at least he did in high school it's been I graduated 40 years ago so <laughs> he I don't did really, dress like that I don't know if he still dresses like that yeah he dressed like that and he talked like that and it was so like jarring the first time that I watched this movie and I literally wiped it from my brain and then when he came back I was like I don't remember anything about his character or what happens to him I genuinely couldn't remember but I knew that it was Dacre Montgomery. And I was like, that's so strange because like the Jeremy that comes to mind when I think of that name is such a different guy than Dacre Montgomery. And then he walks in on the screen and I'm like, oh no, same guy. <laughs> totally the same guy. Likely thing for a guy named Jeremy in that kind of town to be. Exactly. And as you know, that is very much the type of town that I spent a lot of my young life in. Not like 2006, which is when like this type of man and this type of style was like very prevalent. Why did I just realize yeah. that? It's 2016. I mean, I guess it was still around in 2016, but it wasn't like Not every like, guy. Okay, it was like 2005, 2006. You remember when like the first Step Up came out and like every guy ever from like a small town tried to look like Channing Tatum in that? That's the kind of vibe. Yeah. They were all into like super gangster rap, but it was literally like Akon. Akon. And then maybe Lil Wayne if they're a little frisky. Yeah. Lil Wayne if you were a little more hardcore. And then also three Six Mafia, but the, only the one song. Oh my god, what was that one skate brand that like, it was like an E, but they were like interlocked DC. like that? Was it DC? Yes, they all wore that. Oh, and if you were a girl, if you were a scene, you wore pastries. I had, it was a brand and they were like big, glitzy, so gaudy skate shoes for girls. And I had a pair, so every scene kid had one. Like You had pastries and a Kiki Cannibal diamond necklace and then you were a scene queen. That I remember, the necklace. But I had a pair of pastries and on the bottom of them, the rubber, the insole, like the whatever, the bottom had half of a pie on each side, like the shape of it. Except for when you held the shoes up since there was an indent for your instep, it looked like a vagina. Wow, lovely. Honestly, this is the Y2K fashion that we need to bring back. The 2000s, like the late 2000s, right before the 2010s. Like the 2006 to like 2009. 
era. Even like 2008. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, that's like fully what I kept thinking that this movie was set in was like before 2010. So every time I'm reminded this was 2016, I'm like, no, it wasn't. No, it was not. There are so many times in this where you are reminded that he is a 12 year old boy. And that is because of his voice cracking, which I think just adds so much to this because they are really like reinforcing like this is a boy going through puberty who feels very entitled basically because of his sexual urges that is what is driving him to like do this he feels very entitled to his babysitter the girl that has known him for we're assuming years and that he has known for years and he thinks because you know he wants her that like she should want him as well, even though obviously in her eyes, that is a child. So every time his voice would crack, it was just so good because then you're immediately like, right, he's a kid. Because he's so scary in this. There's no reason for a 12-year-old boy to be that scary. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the fact that he's like younger is what adds to the scariness for me, at least. And not in the way where it's like, oh, because kids are naturally creepy or whatever. You know, like the ring and the grudge are so scary for that reason. I think, um, of course, he gets caught in the end. And even when he's like, oh, I'm not going to get caught. We're like, probably going to get. But there's still this like understanding in the back of your mind that like he's going to get caught doing all of this terrible stuff. And the consequences are not going to be particularly dire for him, which just adds to how creepy the whole situation is yeah i like that his voice cracks like especially when he's like trying to scream he gets so angry and it's so realistic being on the receiving end of that kind of rage from like a little boy is so funny like it's kind of scary but it's like also funny it's very mixed and it's even scarier because when you do laugh at that they get more angry and so you're like oh fuck but then you're their voice is still cracking way more. So you're like, <laughs> let's talk about the twist more because I don't think we fully like. For anybody who's listening at home who hasn't seen this movie and probably won't, the setup is that a little boy who's madly in love with his babysitter and thinks that tonight is the night he's finally going to sleep with her. They are hanging out together. He tries to make a move on her. She turns him down. And then right before they can process it, the home is invaded and they are threatened just as we're kind of getting to this climax of them almost getting caught by the home and Invader, we find out that Luke, the little boy, has orchestrated this entire thing with the intention of scaring his babysitter enough and then like protecting her that she'll be all endorphin rushed and have sex with him. Yes. So there's this moment where they're looking at the invader through the closet door and she's squinting and she notices the mask and she goes, Luke, that's one of your masks. And then she opens the door and walks out. And I was terrified. I was like, oh my God, no, this is going to be like wrong. She's going to be wrong about this and then end up getting killed. She says something that is so fucking funny to me. She was like, what delusional infant thinks staging a break-in is going to get you to second base? Because he is an infant. And I love that she constantly drives that home throughout like most of the movies. She's talking about like how young he is, which is one of the reasons why she will not do anything with him. I feel like that's what like kind of sets him off more is the fact that she keeps reminding him of how young he is compared to her. She once again turns down his advances and he turns, he is like calling her as she's walking out, trying to go down the stairs and she turns around and he fucking slaps her so hard that she falls down the stairs. And I legitimately thought she broke her neck in that moment because of the way that she was like laying. I was like, my God. 
But no, it just turns out she passed out. There's a really great little moment that I don't think I even noticed the first time I watched it, but I noticed it this time because I knew I knew what the twist was going to be this time. So I was paying more attention. But there's a moment where it's just, she notices that he left the back door to the house open a little bit earlier because, again, he's obviously planning this whole thing. So she goes over to the door because she notices it and she locks it. So the plan there is that this would be when she would like order their pizza and then she would go get the pizza and then that would be his moment to go open the door again. The second part to that plan is that while she's ordering them the pizza in that first place, he's gonna like set up the room and make everything all sexy and whatever. His plan to be like, you know, the horror movie, the candles, like whatever. In his head, she's ordered the pizza. So he has the pizza delivery distraction on its way. And then she comes out and she sits down and she's like talking to him for a minute. And then she goes, oh, I totally forgot to order the pizza. But the pizza comes to the door anyway, because he is set up in advance that there would be pizza coming at that time so he could go. So she's there can like she's confused. She's like, why is someone delivering a pizza? Which like I just kind of love that like screw up that he ordered the pizza, thought that she was ordering it and then she didn't and then he's like uh oops well there's pizza here anyway <laughs> so he makes up some like excuse about his dad or whatever and gives him the money and sends him off anyway because it worked out but that's like a little oops moment that he has and you can tell like he's stressing out when the pizza's there and she's like but this is weird because we didn't order it right this is weird he's like it's not weird at all what the fuck are you talking about let's just take the pizza no big deal like kind of a little bit nervous. And I feel like it was perfect for this kind of movie because obviously before you know the twist, like I was just thinking like, oh my God, like the the killer is the like pizza delivery guy and like he heard them talking about it. So he brought the pizza and is using it as a way in, which is obviously what they wanted us to think to throw us off the whole time because in like no way was I expecting any part of this to happen. I thought it was just gonna be cut and paste fucking home invasion movie, like normal and and then, no, I was quite wrong. The two of them are sitting on the couch and like you can see their whole living room. And I love in movies when they have something going on in the background. It's kind of like almost blink and you miss it. Because I was staring at the window and I saw a figure just like walk up. And I was like, is there a shadow in the window? And you immediately were like, yes. And then there was like something on screen that happened in the window. And I was like, okay, cool. I was right. But I love when they do that shit. This is a really small detail, but right in that moment, I also love the sound of the boots running on the snow as the person like leaves the window. I just, it was very spooky. Oh, I just really like the quote where she goes like, what are your family's plans for the holidays? And he's like drinking and arguing. Very real. Very true. I like how there's a lot of references to different Christmas movies in this. Like two that I remember obviously home alone with the paint cans which we need to talk about that scene and two when Garrett is chasing her through the snow like in the backyard and his glasses fall and break I think that's supposed to be a reference to Christmas story I could be wrong but it feels like it you know when Ralphie's glasses fall because he like shoots his eye and it would make sense because this is a Christmas horror movie so why wouldn't they reference like regular Christmas movies as they already did with Home Alone. The Home Alone really got me as like a, you know, I'm a blunt force trauma girly. Uh, if there's anything that's going to get me in a horror movie, it's blunt force trauma. And it doesn't happen every time, but it does sometimes. And it doesn't hit me as hard in this movie. Like it's very um, mildly done in this. It's very effective. I will say that like it's a really effective scene and the shots are really effective, but you don't see it like explicitly happen and you don't even see the aftermath explicitly. So it doesn't like get me in this one. But I will say the first time I ever saw it, I was, I'd never been more tense in my life, like waiting for it to happen. Cause I didn't know going in if it was going to be bad or not. So I just, I'd never been more tense. 
watching a movie in my life. Yeah. And then I was fine, obviously, and I'm fine to rewatch it. But yeah, it really got me. But we'll get to that in a minute. So in the beginning, Luke and Garrett are having a conversation about how like his whole plan to get his babysitter all horned up with a horror movie. Even then, it's kind of framed that Garrett is like more, he's being kind of more gross about it. And Luke's like trying to make it almost sound a little romantic. He is still talking about fucking his babysitter, but he's like talking, he's reading like erotic massage, like web pages and stuff like he's trying to kind of make it sound like I've been in love with this girl forever tonight's the night whereas Garrett's kind of like yeah fuck the shit out of her man as it progresses you see more and more about how Luke is like equally as crude and like they have a conversation where they're talking about like fuck Mary kill but they're also still 12 year old boys so it's like fuck Mary kill all the adventure time girls they have this conversation about like what princess bubblegum's pussy is probably like and I'm like ugh <laughs> It was so gross. <laughs> when he's talking to Ashley, he's like, oh yeah, like what's your body count? Like how many guys have you fucked? And then like when he's talking to her boyfriend, he's like, you probably hit that twice a day. Like just very crude and like very gross. But then it keeps like reminding you that he's still a little kid because again, fuck, Mary kill, but with the Adventure Time girls. And they're arguing about it. He's like, not even Marceline, man. I'm like, who cares enough Yeah. for this conversation except a 12 year old boy? Exactly. His dare is to touch her boob. Like, yeah, he's 12. Very like, you wouldn't even know what to do with it, even if you did get it. Because you're 12. That thing where, like, like you're a child. You're not supposed to know anything yet. Yeah. Like, what's the joke in BoJack Horseman when they're, like, sitting at the breakfast table and the kid gets a boner because he finished the maze on his cereal box? And he's like, I'm sorry, like, I don't, I don't tell it what to do. Yeah. Okay? Like, I don't. <laughs> it's not even, like, it's not even about that. It's just because, like, it's just doing whatever it wants right now. And I'm like, that's literally, like, that's what it's supposed to be like. Like, you're just kind of a little confused and that's okay. But then, like, when you add that, like, creepy aggression into it is what makes, like, a genuine fucking horror movie, which is what we got out of this. I, we talked about this when we were talking about Barbarian. I was thinking Scream 4. Oh, yeah, 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 that too. Scream 4 is another great example. But Barbarian, I think, is the episode where, like, we actually talked about the feeling when you watch a horror movie of familiar fears versus unfamiliar fears and like the way that those two different feelings affect what kind of horror movies you like or how you feel while you're watching them. How Barbarian went from familiar fear to unfamiliar fear. Like the unfamiliar fear being the monster and the familiar fear being a woman alone with a strange man in her Airbnb and how those are distinctly different feelings but they both work for horror. This movie has that like in fucking droves because the unfamiliar fear of this kid is really violent and he's gonna fucking throw a paint can at me and kill me versus this kid is like gonna sexually assault me because he's a creepy little familiar versus unfamiliar and this movie has a good mix of both I find. Yeah because if you try to like tell anyone about this movie and you try and tell them like the villain is like a 12 year old kid they're gonna be like the fuck is wrong with you just like push him to the side he's 12. But we talk about this a lot specifically in comparison to like scream four with charlie he is also like very tiny and if you look at him he's very unsuspecting very unassuming you wouldn't think that like he could fuck someone up like that but it is all about the like unbridled rage that they have that like hormone fueled anger is so scary like it's so threatening like it creeps me it just it, to this day like that's what i mean it's a familiar fear when you watch this like you get both sides of it you get like the horror movie side of it like oh he's also a killer but also this is a guy you know this is a kid you grew up with like you knew you knew this guy like that's 
it's freaky. Also, what you said about just because it's a kid, that rage gives you, you know, a bit of a leg up. It is, like you said, though, still a kid. And we do see that in some instances of this where he's so fueled by rage that he manages to pull off something like quite a feat of strength. But then he's still a kid. So like when he knocks out Ricky, he's only out for a second and he gets up and he beats on this 12 year old. Still being a kid, not fully thinking through situations also being fueled by rage, not being super detail-oriented, because how do you not notice that she has gotten out of most of the duct tape restraints? So it's one of those things where it's like... Her sock is missing. Obviously, because, like, he is so blinded by his fury and so, like, tunnel vision focused on, like, this one goal that he's not looking at, like, all the little small pieces around him. And again, he's still a kid, so it's not like he was, like, planning this whole big thing. He was not planning on hurting her, as they state multiple times throughout the movie. He didn't plan for it to go that far. He was just going to knock her out and then, like, kill her boyfriend and then have her wake up the next day and, like, not remember anything. And again, he's a kid. It wasn't like this was, like, a big mastermind plan. And I think he got way in over his head. And that's why it just kept escalating and escalating and escalating. But he's also fucking terrifying because he almost gets away with it. I think he says something at one point about like, oh, duct tape is like good for like multiple uses. And he means it in like a weird way, but she's smart and that's what saves her life. I was talking about him knocking out Ricky earlier with the bat. Um, He does a little dance with the bat. I don't know if you'd like noticed it or not, but he does this little proud of himself dance with the baseball bat after doing that. That is the dance from Clockwork Orange. If that's not actually supposed to be a Clockwork Orange reference, that's fine. But that was what I got from it. If you think about about what a clockwork orange is and then you think about a 12 year old hormone fueled boy being familiar with a clockwork orange it makes a lot of sense that he would pull this off or at least try to i just think a lot about how so many little kids would never do anything like this because it is totally a like nurture over nature situation. And like that weird exposure to depravity like that is what kind of helps fuel that entitlement. There's no kid that sits down and watches <laughs> Adventure Time and is like, yeah, I bet you Princess Bubblegum's pussy tastes like candy. Like that's not how it works. That's how it works when you're 12 and you've been exposed to way too much stuff that you shouldn't have been. And now that's what your brain is focused on because you're just like, running high on hormones and the experience of puberty and it's all very upsetting and confusing and now you're angry all the time and you don't know why so instead of taking it out by yelling at your mom because you're a moody teenager you're like I'm gonna tie my babysitter up and tell her that she has to be my girlfriend now no exactly oh that cheek stab with the pencil horrible and then and then that part where he's like making him smoke and then it's coming out of his cheek hole horrible horrible sensory feeling because like you know when you're like smoking and then you get that little bit of like burn in the back of your throat. That's what I imagine it feels like coming out of that hole the entire time. Because that can't be comfortable. Gosh, I really have, I really have no idea. Let's try it. <laughs> I got a pen right here. The callback to the Home Alone scene. That's what you had been talking about earlier. Yes. They're having an argument in the beginning of the movie about whether or not the paint can in Home Alone would have knocked the intruders back or just knocked their head off or hit them in the head and killed them. They argue about it. Garrett is insistent that it would work and it would just knock them back. Luke is like, no, that'd for sure kill someone. So then they have Ricky tied below the stair, like, landing, the overlanding. And Luke begins 
throwing a tied up paint can down to see if it'll hit him or not. He misses the first time and it scares like the absolute shit out of Garrett who starts trying to reason with him and he also like tells Ricky that he will untie him. Ricky's like you have to untie me. They just smoked weed together also Ricky and Garrett so like they all of a sudden have this like weird bond and Garrett's like yeah okay I'll get you out and then it's just kind of this whole like very tense tense moment before Ashley comes in. We could just tell that it was coming. The second that she says like put it down I was like girl no he's gonna put it down into his head and he does so he goes okay and he just like launches it and we don't see it we don't see the impact of it but we just see like different angles around it we hear it and then we see the blood gushing and we get a really cool shot where the paint and blood are both like pooling at his feet and like mixing together and it honestly looks like ketchup and mustard to me I was about to fucking say that are you fucking joking the second that you were done i was gonna be like it's really funny how it looked like ketchup and mustard it was really yeah gross. what the fuck i'm so sorry Go <laughs> no on. i was just gonna say i wish that they had used like a different paint color like white because you know i'm a slut for white with like red coming into it hello handmaid's tail stand so i just wish that like they had done that instead of like yellow but whatever because that's all i could think of as we were watching i was like that looks like ketchup and mustard and then because it was like a little chunky from like you know the pieces of his head I was like, that kind of looks like relish. Ooh, a hot dog. (laughs) Hot dog would be so good right now. After that scene, like during that scene, rather like the moment after, um, I like that everybody is so traumatized by it for a moment, except Luke, obviously. I think it kind of like grounded the movie back to reality in like a really brutal way. Because at that point, a couple of fucked up things had happened. Like the cheek thing was pretty gross. The fact that they were committing this crime obviously was really like high stakes and really tense. But him... A, dying at all, and B, his head fucking exploding in front of these two innocent people who have obviously never experienced anything like that in their entire lives. Never seen something like that before, like, and now it just being in front of them really kind of, like, set the the heaviness of everything back in. Up until that point, it almost felt like an action-y thriller, right? But then it was like, oh no. There's a moment later where he ties her up with Christmas lights. I just think that's really smart and creative. I love that. I love when that's used in Christmas horror movies. There are two little parts when he's got her tied up with the Christmas lights that stick out to me. And one of them is how he's explaining to Garrett how they're going to get away with everything. Ashley seems to like agree because she just starts like defeatedly crying. The shot is of her, even though it's Luke talking to Garrett in that scene. All we are looking at is Ashley and how like you can see like the realization slowly growing on her face and then like the defeat taking over and then she just starts crying and it's so good. I was going through letterbox reviews because like I was posting mine. People hated this movie. (laughs) It should not come as a shock. Yeah. This happens every time we watch a movie and we're like, okay, that was good. I feel like a lot of them are missing the point because a lot of the reviews are like, this is very rapey and I don't know why they thought anyone would want to see this and blah, blah, blah. I was like, you realize he's the villain, right? They're not making it like a good thing. If that's not your cup of tea for horror, that's cool. If you're like, I don't want to watch anything that has like these kind of rapey vibes to it, I'm like, then you shouldn't. Like, you really shouldn't. Nobody should be watching stuff they don't want to watch. But to be like, how did this movie accidentally look so rapey? I'm like, the movie is about a kid who's kind of rapey. Like, that's wasn't on accident. That's what they were supposed to do. Like, that's what they were trying to do. It was on purpose. Do. No, people on Letterboxd did not like this movie, but people on IMDb did, which is surprising to me. Didn't you pick this? It has a 6.5 a 10 on letter or on imdb didn't you pick this for the bad review game yeah yeah okay that's what i thought holy shit 
You're right. That's what I thought. Oh, I totally forgot. I forgot which review was for this or which reviews were for this. I can look. So funny now that I know. One of them was just no. Played out like an incel's wet dream. I will never get this time back. Which is so funny to me because like the point of his character is that he's a fucking like 12 year old incel on in the making. Like this wasn't like. Yeah, he was not portrayed in a good light. And he got caught. And he didn't get laid. Watch this at a boring party. And believe me, had I had any other option, I'd be so mad I wasted two hours of my life that I'll never get back. Which is wrong because this out movie is 89 minutes. So factually incorrect. <laughs> now, if I would have paid to see this in a theater, I'd be livid. One of those movies you watch hoping it'll get better and never does. Slow paced with no payoff and how it's getting a 7.1 IMDb rating is completely beyond me. Awful, awful movie. Moves at a snail's pace and the characters you just don't care what happens to them. Hate is such a strong word, but this movie is pretty close. Why are you watching this at a party? Like who puts this on at a party? Also, you didn't care about Ashley? Not Ashley. I liked Ashley. I know. Like, what do you mean you didn't care about anybody? I cared what happened to Ashley. I also cared what happened to Garrett because I really liked that actor, but... I didn't. I cared about Ashley. I cared about Dacre Montgomery. Yeah, until he kicked that cat and then you Literally, were over it. yeah. As soon as he kicked the cat, I was like, never mind. He can die. And then he did. I love a good shotgun blast death in a horror movie. I love the absolute mad sick air bro that people catch when they get hit with a shotgun. In these movies, it's crazy. He flew the way that like Chucky oh, he, does. He left the room. He looked like he was clipping through the wall in a video game. Like he was in the room and then he was in the dining room. The flying was so funny. And then the following scene is so gut-wrenching because he starts like calling for help as Luke is getting closer to him. Like he's screaming for help and it's just him and Ashley in the house. And they've already explained why like they're going to get away with it because there's nobody around. Ashley starts crying when Garrett calls for help. And I really liked that. I thought that was like kind of a weirdly emotional beat. And it was just for a moment. Like we only got that for one moment, but I... The idea of her crying because she knows that he's like dead already, even though he's still sitting there crying is like, it's very good. I just, I love Olivia. I think she's such a good actress. So I just get way too, way too excited about the subtleties in this. Cause this is kind of like, it's a sillier movie. It's, it's got, it's like, I like it. I really enjoy this movie, but you know, it's a little 89 minute thrillery movie. So I like that she kind of just put her old pussy into it and was like, here we go. Exactly. She reminds me a lot of Lexi from Chucky. Like you said, the subtleties in her acting, because they kind of both do a lot of that. It's so funny that literally a year before this movie came out, the two of them were in The Visit together, because like in this one, she's playing like way older. In The Visit, they're like brother and sister. I think in The Visit, they're supposed to just be like a couple years apart, but in this, they're like five years apart. So when Luke is finally done for the night after he stabs her in the neck and it's like okay it's done like let's put everything together let's wrap this up there's a moment when he realizes that he can't put the pencil on his own door handle i have to admit that if i were him and i were in his shoes that is where i would give up right that would be my breaking point i'd be like this was the thing i didn't figure out i guess this is where i go to jail for the rest of my life i'm done he does continue after that though like he gets away with it another step further past that because he goes out of his room puts the pencil on the door goes outside and then climbs the roof back into his room which i don't think I would have even thought to do. I would never have thought of that. I was thinking that the whole time. I was like, why doesn't he just go do that? 
And then he did. And I was like, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to get caught. I was like, you shouldn't do that. But if I was in your situation, I would have done it. And then he's smart. He takes a sleeping pill and then he turns on his little machine and then he goes to sleep. If I were him, I'm not sure I would have taken my sleeping pill. I don't think like I would have. I think I would have taken it out and I would have put it somewhere or something. Yeah, I'd be done with that. But he does. And when he wakes up, his mom is cradling him just like he complained she doesn't do anymore. I really like that like he was so content in that moment when she was like cradling him. And then as he goes over and he realizes that Ashley is still alive, he's looking out the window at her and there's this kind of like defeated like, okay, fuck it. I lose like look on his face and I'm like I wonder if he had like a similar feeling as when he was talking to Ashley about how his mom doesn't do that for him anymore and she was like yeah I can fucking guess why I wonder if he had like a similar feeling of like that kind of upset because he realized that he was having it again finally and she was like oh my god look my baby and she's like cradling him and then he's like well now I'm that was the last time I guess because I'm going the fuck to jail so oops I also love that moment where she sees him in the window and then just slowly raises her middle finger at him and then it just cuts so yeah I don't watch this movie often I don't watch it like every winter or whatever but this is like one of the more it's a winter horror movie I think of because I feel like so often the recommendations for like a winter or a Christmas horror are kind of like the same five movies all the time so I'm always looking for something else that I can like put into the cycle of winter horror to watch and it's very fun because now we have a new one that just came out it's a wonderful knife if Sarah commits it to memory because every time in the past 24 hours that I have said the title to her, her brain just like auto filters it and corrects it to like Thanksgiving. And she told me this because we are recording this one and the black phone on the same day. And so we were talking a little bit in between about it's a wonderful knife and she still was just like Thanksgiving correct. I'm sorry. Everyone on my timeline has been talking about Thanksgiving today because again, we are recording this in November. So hearing in December, recording this in mid-November, everybody is talking about Thanksgiving on the timeline today. I don't know. I feel like last year was such a good year for horror and this year it's just continuing on, um, especially with like more original horror and I love that. And so I love having more and new holiday horror movies because we are severely lacking in Christmas horror. I guess we have to do Krampus. And by the way, Verona loves Krampus and I don't remember it. I don't even think I, and that's fine. I'm excited and I don't remember anything about it. I remember thinking like, this is good and I need to commit more like energy to watching this because I wasn't in it in the moment. I was like, obviously we're going to fucking do Krampus. Obviously we're going to do Krampus. But then I was also like, why is that like one of the only fucking Christmas horror movies? Somebody's going to get really mad at me for saying that. But I just mean like, I can really just only think of some of the really big ones off the top of my head. And there are not very many, like you said, there is really so few. And we already did Seed of Chucky. So like, now what? I can't wait to talk about Krampus because I have so much to say about that movie. I don't think anyone understands. Like I have such an undying love for that movie, even though I fucking hate it at the exact same time. I'm very aware that it is a very deeply, averagely okay movie, but I also love it. That wraps up this week's episode on Better Watch Out. Next week, we're going to be covering the original Black Christmas. In the meantime, check out our link tree, which is WYFSM. That will have links to all of our socials, including our Twitter, WYFSM podcast, as well as our Instagram, WYFSM pod. It also has links to every place that you can listen to our show. See you guys next week.